Welcome to The Month End, a CPG community chat. The Month End will provide emerging CPG brands real-life knowledge into the accounting, finance, and operational world. Our guests will be key stakeholders from those same brands, as well as other key contributors to the industry, which all have vast experiences and insights that will be shared with the audience. Welcome to episode number five of the month end. Um, very excited about this uh, client, or excuse me, this colleague, uh, Megan Rowe from White Leap Provisions. How are you doing today, Megan? I'm well. How are you, Brad? Doing well. Um, Megan runs White Leaf Provisions. Um, they have been around for several years in, uh, in the Charleston area, so it's always good to have uh, uh, local clients um, here where, where Account Foods headquarters are, and we've been working together for probably two to three years or even longer, like when you guys kind of just got started up and running. So um, so really excited to chat, and, and your brand is, uh, and, and your product that you sell is specialized, and it's biodynamic. So can you guys uh, give us just a little bit of a background of White Leaf Provisions, you know, what you sell, you know, what, why you started it, you know, and, and kind of just a little high levels, just so we have an understanding of that as we start the conversation. Sure. Yeah. So uh, White Leaf Provisions was started a number of years ago by my husband and myself. Um, we had just had our first son, Keegan, and we were walking down baby food aisles for the first time. Um, Keith is from Ireland, and I spent many years abroad in Europe. So we were quite familiar with the stringent standards that the EU holds for food products. And when we went down these baby food aisles in the US for the first time, we were dismayed by the lack of regeneratively farmed biodynamic products for kids. It's readily available to us. Um, and so at the time we began importing a lot of products for our son um, from abroad, which was obviously costly and not sustainable. So. Um, I'm the daughter of a serial entrepreneur, and uh, my parents actually exited a food company in the 90s to Campbell Soup. And so it was a similar business model that they had created. And we went to my dad and said, like, this is something we want to do. This is a missing um, market piece. Um, and with his advisement, my husband and I went off to the races and decided to create a brand that provided these biodynamic products in the U.S., to other families like us. So. so what does biodynamic mean? Yes, uh, the best way to think about it is biodynamic is a holistic farming approach. Um, it takes organic and it goes to a few levels above. Um, as a mother, what really resonates with me, it's uh, produce that's been farmed without the use of pesticides, herbicides, or fungicides. So it's super clean, super pure, and it's a regenerative farming method that helps to heal the soil. Mm. Interesting, interesting. And then from what you're selling, so are you selling like what, applesauce and, you know, baby food or kind of what the specific products you're selling? Yep. So we, uh, we started with a line of applesauce. Um, it's grown and manufactured here in the U.S. We work with small biodynamic farms throughout the country, um, two in particular. Um, and, and the baby food that we launched is the first biodynamic baby food in the U.S. Um, so we're the only ones doing it right now. And um, we grow and manufacture that over in Europe. Interesting. So how, you know, clearly the, this podcast is focused on kind of accounting finance operations. I'm going to take a little deep dive in the whole operational inventory supply chain aspect here because of, you know, I'm sure, as you just said, there's not a ton of biodynamic farmers, manufacturers in the U.S. or even overseas. Right. So how did that even, like, how did you go about finding those, you know, folks, did you do it yourself? Did you 
ask people around or like, how did you do that five years ago when you're, you know, finding those, uh, that manufacturer or you're, mm-hmm. you know, procuring your supply chain? So Keith is a professional chef by trade. Um, so he really took and spearheaded the sourcing um, mission. And so we really, we worked backwards. Demeter is the certifier for all things biodynamic. It's an international certifier. They're in about 55 countries around the globe. Um, And so we went through Demeter, we went through their directory and we worked backwards. We found certified farms, um, spoke to the farmers, um, shared what we wanted to achieve and create. Um, and then we just worked our way to find manufacturers that were willing to take this Demeter certification on and work with a small brand and grow um, with us. So it took us uh, three and a half years to actually produce the first pouch of baby food. Wow. And when so was that? That we launched the uh, baby food in October of 2018. Gotcha. Wow. Seems like years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And then you, okay. So that now that you've done that and, um, you know, I know that you started in over, overseas, you know, as, as your manufacturer, you said you now have farmers in the U S that do this yes. for your applesauce. Is that yes. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So our applesauce always began in the U S um, with biodynamic farming. It's really prevalent in the U S within the wine industry and the vineyards. Yeah. Um, and in order to have a biodynamic farm, you have to have many different aspects of the farm. Um, orchards, farm animals, the um, croplands. And so there's a, a abundance of apples and pears in the US. So that was an easy one to start with. Um, because we knew we always wanted to scale into a national brand, we knew we had um, supply and demand would be a big issue for us. So we started um, our sites in Europe. It's on an industrial scale in Europe over there. And that's why we did that. Gotcha. So then how has it been working with, um, you know, people overseas in terms of timing, you know, and, and just overall business, you know, how do they operate versus kind of, you know, operating people in the U.S. Clearly there's more costs to get it, you know, from overseas into the U.S. and, and, and mm-hmm. importing taxis and duties and freight and time, right? Yep. Like, you know, where, where would you say kind of is the benefits of one versus the benefits of other? Clearly the industrial, you know, like large scale manufacturing can help, you know, sustain, you know, growth in a a growing business like Whiteley, but kind of like, can you just kind of give us a little background of how that's been for you? Yes. So um, I think given the amount of time Keith and I have spent in Europe, we really were familiar with how their work ethic is, which is they are very, um, they're not as drive, drive, drive as Americans are. So going with a lower expectation of that uh, was always fine. Um, We've always been cognizant of their extremely long vacation weeks throughout each month. And um, so that aspect has always been built into how we do things. We look at the calendar in terms of inventory runs. We have to account for time at sea and vacation times and all of that such. So we give ourselves at least six weeks for an inventory run um, where we know that the time in transit is in there and everything like that. Um, Forgot your question now. (laughs) How is it working with uh you know, overseas folks versus not the U.S. folks that you're working with in terms of- It's been really, it's been really lovely. Um, It's it's nice because we obviously work with people over here as well. Um, It's just a nice um, cadence of doing business. It's it's not really that high powered and that high stressed. And they really take a love of what we're doing and trying to boost the um, North American market. 
is so you have biodynamic farmers, right? And then what about the manufacturers or the, the co-mans? Do they yep. have to have certification as well? How, how, or is it the same? Is it, are they partnered with the farmers or what? It's so everything with a Demeter certified product has to be certified by Demeter. Uh, so the raw goods, the manufacturing, the packaging, um, all have to go through uh, the certification process. Um, that's also why it took as long as it did to get our products produced because we were, we had approached um, a bunch of co-mans here in the States. They didn't want to take on a biodynamic product. Four years ago, um, it wasn't really known. Regenerative ag wasn't really being talked about. Um, organic was the end-all be-all. Um, plus the US co-mans, their minimum order runs were 300,000 pouches per run, per skew. And so that was a hefty undertaking for a small brand like us. Um, and so when we went over to Europe to, to look around, um, we met with various co-mans and we settled on one who was really accepting of what we were doing um, and was willing to work with us on very small scale. Gotcha. Um, so clearly this is, you know, we all know how the, the price points of the consumers are, right? We all yep. know where non-organic resides, organic resides, biodynamic resides, right? So yep. how is the market taken, you know, the product, the pricing, clearly your costs are higher, um, mm -hmm. versus just normal, you know, normal products or even organic products. So how has that, you know, price, uh, sensitivity been like, how does the market respond? Like kind of where, where do you see that at? We were uh, very fortunate early on. We partnered with um, some wonderful advisors early on. They actually spearheaded Annie's um, mac and cheese back in the in the early 90s when they were trying to tout organic and people were looking at them like they were crazy. Um, so they had some experience with going in for the product that never cre was created before. Um, and they were very um, wise to us and said, let's build out your cogs, let's look at what your cogs are, and we're gonna aim for a 40% margin for distributor. And so we, we really worked hard to get the pricing down perfect prior, um, and which was really smart on our part because it allowed us to back into promotions and marketing spends and such with different stores and whatnot. But um, we're really not that much higher than an organic um, sure. right in, there's about four brands that are top sellers right now that we're right in line with. Um, it's always been an educational piece with biodynamic and regenerative, um, which we're fortunate we have an online platform for that. And that's really our billboard where we can really educate the consumer. Um, and we've been really uh, strategic with our rollout, our distribution rollout. We only focus on the natural organic set because that's where our consumer already shops um, and they already understand the importance of high level organic. So that's kind of how we've done it. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, <clears throat> it is interesting in terms of, you know, how, how, how the, all the different CPG brands that exist in, in, in whether how, what they're selling is specialized or their specific supply chain is in-house manufacturing or, a, you know, a mix of it like you have going on. Um, so it's always interesting to see where that resides. So you sell on your website um, via Amazon as well, right? Yep. We're on Amazon, our website. Um, we're in brick and mortar retail within mm -hmm. the organic channel um, and uh, Thrive Market um, and some other sites that are like popping up like Thrive. Yep. And then through distributors as well. 
Yes. The big guys. The big guys. Um, so what is your, so clearly each sales channel has a specific strategy or, yes. um, you know, to sell or, you know, to your point, you, you, a big part of what you have to do is educate people what biodynamic means. So do you have a favorite sales channel um, of those kind of, you know, is it, is it the web website direct to consumer? Is it Amazon? Like what, what where do you kind of really enjoy selling at or kind of see like a, a, a big, you know, uh, uh, satisfactory gains or, or where you can see like huge opportunities exist. Mm -hmm. um, definitely the D to C and that's what we're really focusing on this, this year and next. And especially with our fundraising and such is we, when we first started this brand, we didn't have a lot of money it, trying to fundraise on a biodynamic product in the U S was extremely difficult. Um, and so we realized early on that we would have to keep really a tight ship and um, allocate correctly. And so when we launched, we spent a lot of money going to the trade shows early on, which was um, a lot of people advised against it, but it actually really benefited us. Um, it put us on the radar of a lot of industry leaders and store buyers and such. So when we first launched, um, we hedged our bets. Do we invest in D2C or do we invest in brick and mortar? Um, and sure enough, every store account that we're getting into now um, is mostly inbound. Um, the store buyers come to us. Um, and so because the baby set hasn't been changed up in so long, in 15 years at least. So they want something fresh and they're bringing in a lot of these newer baby brands. And um, so we really focused on the attention that was given to us by the brick and mortar. So we focused all the last year and a half really on developing that channel. Um, now we're, we're shifting and now we're focusing on the D2C because that allows us to really educate the consumer the margins way higher, obviously, um, and we can reinvest reinvest that money back into additional do marketing dollars or um, to support new product launches and such. Awesome. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's interesting because I never really thought about this until you just mentioned it. Fundraising, in terms of a huge part of fundraising for you, is literally educating investors what biodynamic means. Yes. Versus just like, hey, we're an organic applesauce. Okay, cool. I know what that means. No, yep. we're by a dam. What does that mean? So I'm sure that has been a whole journey as well, not just educating yes. the consumer, but educating people that, you know, typically invest in CBD brands. Yes. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. <laughs> so do you, I mean, you know, like it seems like now that people are coming to you, it does seem like, you know, more and more, you know, clearly consumers are very smart that we react to the information that's being given. Is biodynamic coming out like full steam in the, in the world, like more and more, do you see that keep moving forward as you, from where you guys were, you know, five, eight years ago? Yes, most definitely. Um, and it's, it's the, it's regenerative agriculture is what's really spearheading this now. And biodynamic is a farming method. It's the gold standard of regenerative agriculture. Um, so for many years, we've been touting biodynamic, 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 um, and now what's really taken hold with the client or the consumer and the investor and everybody in, in place is regenerative. They know that that's a much needed way to help the planet. And so um, now we, our conversation leans heavily towards regenerative. And that's really been the driving force for us in the last year, I would say, um, because there's so many wonderful groups out there like Kiss the Ground and a lot of nonprofits that are spearheading the regenerative movement. Um, their followers are saying, okay, this is wonderful. How can I shop regeneratively? What, what products are 
farmed this way um, and we're, we're, we've been established. And so we're partnering with groups like that to really get the mission across as well. Um, creating a lot of video content around biodynamic and regenerative and um, really uh, thinking outside the box with different um, partnerships. Awesome. Um, that's, that's super exciting. Um, you know, kind of, you know, a couple final questions here as we kind of roll forward. Number one is how, how do you manage cash flow in buying your inventory and your cash cycle? So you're buying a specialized product that's a little more expensive than, you know, organic products. Mm -hmm. You're sourcing them from overseas plus farmers in, in the U.S., you know, uh, depending upon where you're at. How do you handle that juggle, you know, the lead times, the safety stocks, all that type of stuff? Yeah, um, we sit and um, pour over Excel spreadsheets often up here. And um, we really, we just have to be really smart. Um, like we constantly are very lean ship. Um, there's only two employees um, and we do whatever we can outsource for freelancers or consultants we do. We do a lot of it ourselves. Um, fundraising has been difficult. So we haven't been um, blessed with huge influx of capital here and there. So we have to really be strategic. Um, it, it definitely has harnessed our growth because we have to be strategic with who we roll out with. Um, we've been very smart with which retailers we go with. We've passed on some key accounts only because um, the slotting fees and the marketing spends are just simply too high. Um, and the inventory demands would be too much for us at this stage. Um, but fortunately, people understand that. Um, so we've been really strategic with how we roll out um, and we just plan ahead. And um, now we have enough meat on the bones with the business that we've been able to secure lines of credit with groups like Circle Up, um, which has really helped in offsetting our uh, production costs. Definitely, definitely. It's the, uh, it's the struggle to get to a point where you can have some yes. sort of debt financing support to kind of move forward quicker versus just, you know, crossing your fingers. So well, that's good. Um, that's good there. And then in terms of kind of, you know, KPIs or financial kind of metrics that you look at specifically within, you know, the business as a whole, P&L, things like that, but also within each sales channel, like, you know, uh, selling on Shopify, you have to factor in typically like advertising fees and cost to acquire a customer and fulfillment fees, who's paying that. Whereas, you know, typical the distribution model is much more focused on slotting fees, MCBs, chargebacks, you know, um, those types of items. So how do you look at them and do you analyze them differently? And then, you know, kind of what are some other takeaways from within kind of those metrics or how you analyze how each of those are doing as well as the business as a whole? Mm -hmm. um, I, I look at them, I look at QuickBooks almost daily um, just to like, oh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> It's bad. Um, but I do, I just like to really know what's going on. Um, the once a month meeting with your team has, is so wonderful to really like go over everything. Um, it's, I, I really focus individually um, on the, the, what I'm, what I'm outpouring, like what I'm spending on versus what I'm getting back in. Um, and I take it with such a hyper focus that I've actually like shot myself in the foot sometimes and realized that, oh my gosh, Thrive, we do so well at Thrive. Um, I really should be investing more into marketing programs with them because it is a good channel. Um, and so I, I have to let the reins down a little bit and, and, and start to like 
take notice of that deeper. I think I don't really, um, I'm too cognizant of, of saving money versus like letting things go. Mm -hmm. Um, so my, my KPIs, I'm not really focused solely on them yet, but yeah, no, that, I mean, that makes sense. It's hard, right? There, there comes a point of like, you know, I, I don't have an unlimited amount of money, right? Money is a finite resource, so I can't just spend. So you're always kind of cautious, especially when you have a, a brand or any company that literally you've grown and you've grown very cautiously or consciously as well yes. because of the lack of money and it's just hard. So, you know, you know, kudos to you guys to get to where you've been to where you're at. And clearly it's a, it's not just a selling game for you. It's an educational aspect, really. Anyway. Right. And that's where we focus a lot of our attention on. But um, we just engaged with um, digital ads. We hadn't been doing them before. And um, so she, the lady, showed me everything. And um, I was very cautious with what we were putting money into, or, too. And then a month and a half in, we, we went to an ROAS that she had said we could get to within three months. We went there in one month. So I was like, okay, let's go for it. And yeah. I totally opened up the, the, the bank a little bit deeper for that. And so I'll start really looking at those returns. Awesome. And that's going to be driving uh, revenue to your, you know, your website to direct mm -hmm. consumer. Do you use Shopify? Yes. Cool. So then, yeah. And that's a big part of it, right? Like factoring in your gross revenue, your discounts, your cost, your product, and then mm -hmm. fulfillment fees and then backing out advertising is huge and, and you know, cautious to anybody that's out there growing a brand, like you need to factor in all those things. You can't just look at the deposits in your account every day and be like, wow, they're growing because they may be growing at a negative profit. Um, so it's really negating your growth um, and really looking at it at a whole scale of including the product that they ads and everything. And, mm -hmm. you know, getting a good kind of return on your ad spend already in month one is great. So mm -hmm. great news there. So um, going to wrap up the podcast interview here with, two kind of questions. So give us one do to fellow CPG brands. Yes, um, definitely get your books aligned. I'm not just saying this because I'm on with you, Brad, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a photographer by trade and Keith is a chef. And very early on, we said, this is not our wheelhouse and we don't want to be reconciling books and um, we don't want to have to deal with that. So definitely find what your weakness is and get assistance early on for that. Appreciate that. Glad we've been able to help. Um, and then what is one don't? Um, don't discredit your instinct. Um, we've really listened to our guts going forward every step of the way with this business. And the few times that we've gone against what we instinctively thought, it's bit us. So definitely, um, don't discredit your instincts. Wow. That's, uh, that's, that is a great don't. I mean, it's interesting just as an entrepreneur myself, you know, there's times you have a couple of bad days and you're like, is this time to close down the ship? And then all of a sudden you have a couple of good days and it's like, all right, let's get back at it. You know, you just got to kind of move forward and listen to your gut and, and, and figure that out as you move forward. So um, really appreciated the interview, Megan. Thank you so much for your time and your insight. Um, before we leave, where can we find Whiteleaf? Um, where can we buy it? What should we, we be looking at? Is there any new products getting rolled out? Give us the, give us the high level here of, of the company yeah. and where we can go to, to buy the product and support you. Yeah, we're in, um, we're available online all over, um, Amazon, our site thrive. We're available nationally with Whole Foods, Natural Grocers and Wegmans, um, with a bunch of co-ops and indies throughout there so we're pretty much available all over the country 
Awesome. And then baby food and applesauce at this time. Yep. And we're launching two more flavors um, next month of the baby food. So what's that? What flavors do you have? A peach and oat. And then we're doing a pumpkin and nectarine. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, well, awesome. Well, thanks for your time, Megan. And uh, uh, I hope uh, everybody enjoyed episode five of the month end with Megan Rowe from White Leaf Provisions. Everybody have a good one. Thank you.